well as I have believed then and will for some time that live video is still the most efficient and effective way and cost efficient way to reach people online better than any other form of uh, any other medium we have in social media. It truly makes social media, get this, social. <laughs> Joel here. It's joel.live, the show. I'm Joel Com, and of course, I uh, welcome you here and would ask you to please share the broadcast that we're using here on BeLive.tv. This is uh, my designated choice of places that I like to do my interviews on Facebook, primarily because it adds features and functionality to Facebook Live that Facebook doesn't have. You can't do guesting, bring guests into your broadcast easily on Facebook Live. The only way to do it is if you're, if you're on an iOS using the mobile app and your guests are on iOS. Well, that's, that's kind of clunky. I like BeLive.TV because it allows me to sit at my desktop computer, which I'm going to show you my setup here right now, okay? I'm going to pull my camera down. This is my home office. This is, uh, here's my, my microphone that I use. This is a Heil PR40, kind of an industry um, mic for podcasting and broadcasting. Here is my massive 40-inch screen. This is a 40-inch 4K monitor. And then I've got a 32-inch monitor over here. Here is my mixing board. It's a simple USB mixer, a, a Behringer. Q802, I think it was about $80, $90 on Amazon. So it's a USB mixer that goes into here. And then this is actually the BeLive TV interface. And you can see my guest, Steve Strauss, is waiting in the wings right there. He's sitting in the lobby. You can see I got screen sharing that I can do here. And I've got um, my agenda so I can click right here. See, this is true behind the scenes stuff. And I can click, and this turns it into the lower third that you see right there. And then I can put comments on the screen just by clicking them right there. So, Steve, this is instructional for you, too, because you were wondering what you could do with this. And I'm actually giving you a behind-the-scenes tutorial. Hi, Kelsey. Good to see you. Okay, let's put the camera back where it belongs on, uh, on top of the 40-inch monitor which is, it's massive and I love it and it's 4K and those of you who know me know that I'm a computer gamer and so having this massive monitor just makes everything so much more fun. Okay, so let's uh, let's do this thing, shall we? Because doing this thing is what I like to do. The You never know which day of the week you're going to get me doing Joel.Live because I'm doing so much traveling. Uh, but I'm really excited because I have, uh, I've got a great guest today. And just to tell you about the future, um, I've got uh, one guest that is planned is the Barefoot Executive, who is uh, Carrie Wilkerson. She's absolutely amazing and speaks in front of thousands of people, inspires women and men, and she's going to be coming on the end of the month. And I'm in conversations with none other than Lewis Howes. And hopefully, uh, Lewis will be joining me for a show shortly. But today, I've got a friend who uh, got locked out of his office. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're going to get to hear, hear the story here um, about what happened. He is uh, Steve Strauss. He's USA Today's senior small business columnist. He's a best-selling author. He's a popular speaker. He, uh, sp uh, can't talk. Maybe he can talk. And he's a spokesperson. And, uh, and he's here now. Hey, Steve, how you doing? 
Joel, great to see you. You did. You made it into your office. Let's transfer over. Let's see. So, so uh, Steve calls me here um, just a few minutes before we get started. He's like, "You're not going to believe this. I am. I'm super embarrassed, and now I'm doubly embarrassing him. I got locked out of my office, uh, but stuff happens. Well, st stuff happens, and when you have your college age <clears throat> daughter uh, working for you for the summer, and you know some things. Anyway, uh, here." I'll blame her, right? Yeah, blame blame somebody else. So let me give a couple shout outs to people who are here. Uh, Roy Montero, nice to see you. Hello, Mary, nice to see you. Don't be intimidated. Hello, Rihan, pleasure to see you as well. And I'm not sure whose beard looks great. If his comment is that my beard looks great or yours does. Uh, yours I is, say we both look great. Yours is a little more beardy. Uh, I appreciate that. And hello, Kelsey. Nice to see you. Appreciate you joining. Okay, so we're going to switch over. Steve has made it to his official <laughs> home office, or not home <laughs> office, office. Success. And you sound better. And it's kind of funny because this is your second login. So you are now Steve Strauss 2. Electric <laughs> <laughs> Google. Yeah. This is your, this is your twin, um, you know. Your doppelganger looks just like you. Um, anyway, I'm glad that you could join. We've known each other for a number of years, and uh, we don't get to see each other often, but we we share similar passions. And uh, we're going to talk about small business today because that's what you do. That's what I do. You know, I grew up, uh, well, as you know, Joel, in a small business household. Um, in fact, you know, I, re <laughs> I recall the story at about eight. My dad owned a bunch of carpet stores in Southern California, and I had to write a little story about what he did for a living, and it wasn't like lawyer or doctor. And so I said, well, Dad, you know, what do, what do I say? You know, I couldn't figure out retail carpet store owner. And he said, well, Steve, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, not to date myself too much, but, you know, it wasn't a, a word very in vogue uh, back then. You, you don't have to date yourself too much. The gray hair and the beard it already, right? kind of does it. It gives us away. <laughs> so an entrepreneur, what's that? He said, oh, that's a person who's you know, willing to take a risk with money to make money. And I don't know if that's the best definition of all time. It's my favorite because, you know, my dear old dad gave it to me. But I've always been intrigued with that idea. Um, and even when I went to law school, my whole idea was I'll learn to be a lawyer, I'll work for the big firm, and then I'll start my own business. And then it turns out, happily, fortunately, I'm much better entrepreneur and writer and speaker than I ever was a uh, lawyer. So uh, it all kind of worked out. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been dealing with the creeping crud here for about two weeks now, and I just cannot shake oh, this thing. I just got over it. My wife is still in the middle of it. It's a, sorry, it's a lingerer, this thing. It is. It's a hanger-oner. Let, uh, let me show the website here. This is um, USA Today's website, and you are the uh, small business help columnist, the Ask an Expert, and you guys can go over to usatoday.com and find all of Steve's uh, articles here. There's uh, undoubtedly. How many years have you been writing for USA Today now? Uh, 20 years now, you know, sit, when USA Today was creating, you and I are both internet pioneers, right? When they were creating usatoday.com, they were looking for an attorney who'd been published who could write about small business. And someone said, oh, that does sound like my friend Steve. And so they hired me. They hired me and they said, well, we would like you to be our online columnist. Uh, what? 
what what's an online columnist? It right. What does that do? Yeah. They said, oh, you're I said, oh, come on, put me in the paper. I want to be in the paper. You know, but fortunately they said, no, you're going to be online because, you know, the, pa the paper shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. I would have been out of a gig a long time ago, limited real estate. But uh, so I've been writing my column for, for a long time. And my passion in life is not dissimilar to yours, helping small businesses, helping people start and run and grow their business and live their dream, whatever, however it is for them. So mm -hmm. that's what and I want to point out a couple other sites here. This is uh, your own site. That is uh, MrAllBiz.com. So you, you guys can discover all the things about uh, that, that Steve does right here at MrAllBiz.com. And also you own the site TheSelfEmployed.com. So yeah, much content. A lot. <laughs> uh, that's a content-heavy site. Um, I had a partner come to me about five or six years ago and they said, we think small businesses, especially micro businesses are going to be our next big channel. How can we work together? And we ended up creating this, this site together. So the self-employed uh, takes my own content, lots of partner content, people who want to write for me, videos, blogs, podcasts. And we kind of try and create a one-stop shop for freelancers, the self-employed, um, you know, that group, our, our tribe. So let's talk about uh, being self-employed today because yeah. you've seen trends come and go, right? And, and certainly being on the cutting edge of the internet, everything has changed to some degree. And yet we still have, you know, brick and mortar businesses, the local candy shop and barber and lawn mowing service. Um, what's, what's changed and what's stayed the same? Great. That's a great question. So I just saw this stat recently that, um, you know, the death of retail is over loan. Yeah. Although, the, you know, it is also true. Amazon has changed the game, right? Retail is different. And the difference is you can't, as a small business person, you can't really expect to compete with Amazon on their playing ground. You can't compete with their prices. You can't compete with their quantity. You can't compete. And, that's a challenge for a lot of small business people. But what you can do is what they can't do. You can offer a personal experience. You can know your customer by name. You know, an autoresponder can pretend to know someone, but doesn't, you know, obviously doesn't really know the person. Um, and similarly, you can kind of create an experience. You can someone come into your store and you can greet them, you can do something, you can do, you can do the personal better than any online business. So that has remained true for business today as it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. The difference is you're not stuck anymore in that little location. What I love most of all is that it used to be, you know, you're on Main Street and if the economy was good, great. And if the economy is bad, uh, these days, that's not the truth anymore. You can create an online store, you can sell abroad, you can sell 24 seven. So you're not stuck with your little Main Street store um, and that I think for most small businesses can make a really big difference. I want to pick on one of my friends that I just, I love, uh, his, his name is John Capos. And uh, if you, if those of you who listen might not know him by his name, but you might know him by chocolate Johnny and uh, chocolate Johnny is a third generation chocolatier who has a store in Sydney, Australia. 
And I met him through social media because he did Snapchat and he, he would take people like Willy Wonka into the chocolate factory to show them here's how we, we make the toffee. And he did it with a sense of humor. The website is Perfection chocolates.com and Johnny's reach has gone now far beyond Sydney. Look at that. Doesn't that look delicious? Um, beyond Sydney to reach the world uh, with, uh, with his goodies and people now, you know, he does mail order for his chocolates. And so you could have this local business that still reaches out to the world. And I think it's not just that. Yeah, of course that we love that. That's great. Um, it's also that marketing these days is just, so much easier than it used to be. It's so much less expensive. It used to be that you throw a TV ad up, spend a lot of money on it. Not that I've made this mistake. You know, hopefully someone sees it. Hopefully they take action on it. And maybe not. Often, often not. The difference is you don't have to do that. You could pay per click, mm -hmm. Facebook ads, content marketing, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. It's so much less expensive market than ever before. And you can target who's going to buy your product more likely much easier than ever before. I think that's, that's a transformational change. I hope you don't mind me putting you on the spot, but whether you do or not, I'm going to. Um, I know that you run across all kinds of small businesses that are doing innovative and creative things, both online and offline. And I wonder if you have some case studies. I can pull up websites here if there's anything you want to look at. Uh, but if there's somebody that's doing something you think is super innovative uh, with their, their marketing, then I would love to hear some stories. Well, you know what, you and I were talking last week actually about this, about a Facebook Live I'm going to do. And I, and I think this answers the question. I'm doing some work with UPS right now, and they've created a new company called where to go W-A-R-E, number two, go. The problem for a lot of small businesses is that you, you want to ship cross-country. Well, everybody kind of expects two-day shipping now, right? Not so easy to do for a lot of people. Where to go is kind of an Airbnb of warehousing. So... I have a W A R E two W A R E the number two and go. So they don't actually own the website. It's yeah, they do. It's just not up yet. It's we're launching. Okay. Got it. Um, so what it does is it allows a small business to create, to find a warehouse cross country, warehouse their stuff across country. So all of a sudden I'm in Portland, Oregon. I get an order from Florida. And if I have a warehouse in East coast, I can, offer two-day shipping, whereas much more difficult for a small business to do cross-country shipping. That kind of, I kind of think it's kind of revolutionary. It's going to make a lot, a big difference, uh, allow a lot of small businesses to compete with larger companies that are now, you know, doing the day rigor thing of offering two-day shipping. So I, I think that's going to be kind of an interesting tool and a valuable thing for people to use. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as marketing goes, you know, an online you know, there's so many different things you can do. You, you know, contests are big and, you know, I don't know. Well, what do, what do you, what do you like? You know, you, you're online as much as anyone else. Is well, I, I like when people take risks and, and do something that nobody else is doing right to, and, and not just to be different, but to create a story that, you know, that can be told because marketing is all about storytelling. That's what we are. We're storytellers. And I believe that the essence of viral marketing is not saying, hey, let's create a viral, you know, video or something. It's about telling a story so compelling that other people can't help but retell it. Well, that's, you know, people resonate with stories. When you give a speech, what do they remember? They don't remember the bullet points. They remember the stories. 
right? Or you meet someone and you may not even remember what they look like, but you might remember their rags to riches story or their come from behind story or whatever it is. I agree with you. People love stories. And one of the great things about small business is we do have a story to tell, right? And that's how you make that personal connection. Business, even still with all the technology, is still about people, right? You do business with people. I mean, people are much more inclined to do business and hire you and stay with you if they feel an emotional connection to you. And they'll get that emotional connection doing what you just said, which is learning your story. They learn your story and they know where you came from. They know what you do. They know why you're committed. They know why you love small business. They know why you love Bitcoin, whatever the case may be. They're going to find it really interesting. They're going to be compelled to stick around you. Whereas if there's no connection, if there's no story, uh, you know, it's very easy just to move on these days. Mm -hmm. uh, as I'm looking through the USA Today site, again, I'm putting the page up here. I see uh, some celebrity faces on here. Uh, there's Barbara Corcoran. And, yep. and I saw you, there was somewhere I saw you with another shark. Maybe it was on your, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, you know, you get to meet with these, uh, these titans of business and entrepreneurship. And I'm wondering if you could share some uh, things that you've discovered from, you know, meeting with these people that are qualities, which can be emulated, right? Mm -hmm. So anybody who's watching that's got a small business can go, oh, you know, that's, th there's uh, something there that I feel is a natural connection to me that I could be doing that to grow my business. Well, one of it is clearly it's risk taking. You know, one of the things, Barbara Corcoran is a great example. Barbara started out uh, with a partner and the partner was a, a guy and he invested all the money and she did all the work and, uh, the guy ended up running off with her secretary. It was, you know, her partner. Um, and she decided she was just going to start over on her own. She was not young anymore. Um, and she, you know, took out a loan from her mom. And there's, there's Barbara right there. And, you know, what's fantastic about her is she just was willing to take a risk. And one of the things I know about great entrepreneurs is they are uh, risk takers. And I won't say they're great risk takers, but what they are are smart risk takers. The best entrepreneurs, in fact, I think, uh, really work hard to minimize the risk to the extent possible. There's this idea that, oh, you know, we all want to be like Steve Jobs or or um, Richard Branson or whoever it is, these amazing, you know, entrepreneurs who take big risks, and they do take big risks, but mostly I think those risks are smart, well thought out uh, actions that maybe not are maybe not that risky at all. Um, so I think it's smart risk taking is one thing. Uh, if you're sometimes you have to take a big wild risk, but the problem with a big wild risk is <laughs> you may get a big wild failure. And you know, that is, that's the juice though. You know, and right. that is part of that is part of the, you know, part of the game. I so, love failure. What, what's a, what's let's, let's try to break down. What is a smart risk? Because you're, you're making it sound like it's safe and maybe it's not that risky after all. So what's a smart risk? What are well, the pieces so of that? There's a book I like called The Lean Startup. Uh, Eric Rees, I think it's R-I-E-S, R-E-I-S. Um, and his idea was that you get your idea, you test it small, you see if it works, you, you work out some kinks. And once you know that you got something that seems to work, then you run with it big. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. There is the lean startup right there. Exactly. R I E S. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea I'm talking about. You have an idea, you have a new product, you have a new service, you have a new podcast, whatever it is. 
great. But before you risk all your capital and your emotions and your reputation and all of those important things that you spent years building up into that idea, uh, you know, make sure it's still a great idea. We talk about Shark Tank when you're talking about Shark Tank. One of the things that drives me crazy on Shark Tank are these people who come in who clearly caught the bug, love this idea, ran with it, didn't get a lot of feedback in the process, right? And so all of a sudden they're out there, they think it's a great idea, but you know, no one else really thinks it's a great mm -hmm. idea, right? And yeah, I there's some embarrassing ideas out there. Too. Yeah, Chris, you know, oh, I dropped eighty thousand dollars into this. You did what? Yeah. You know, so that you know, that's what I'm talking about. Um, if you guys have questions for Steve, I want you to type them in. He is known as the uh, Ask an Expert Small Business Helper for USAToday.com. You can see here is uh, his, his column, and uh, he's got articles he's been writing for 20 years for USA Today. However, if you want to ask that question, I want to make sure that you are asking it in the right place if you're um if you're typing in your question on somewhere where this video has been shared i won't see that question so what you want to do is you want to go to this page facebook.com forward slash be live tv app that's where we're broadcasting from because i'm using be live tv and as a brand influencer for them i broadcast my videos to their channel so when you type in there i'll be able to click on your comments like i am here with roy and we can see your questions and uh, mary is referring to the oompa loompas that uh chocolate johnny has working for him and something that we said made vera laugh so that's you know if, if you can't uh laugh with us then just laugh at it so if you have a question for a Mr. Albiz, then hop on over there. You must get a ton of questions submitted to you via USA Today. What's the, what are the common themes that you see? Well, certainly marketing is always a thing. You know, how do I grow my business? And, you know, how do I market myself? Social media marketing for years and years was a big thing. You know, I know I'm supposed to be on Facebook. How do I grow? You know, how do I use Facebook ads? I think that question has been answered quite a bit. I think people kind of get well, if they don't know how to do it, they know how to find the answers. To how to and that's kind of technical, right? That's, you know, the, the actual yeah. doing Facebook ads. Well, is... not a lot, but I would say a theme is, you know, how do I grow my business? And so one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, there's lots of ways to do business. You can do B2C, which is business to consumer, and you're selling to one person at a time. There's a limit to that, though, I think. You know, there's only, you can only get so big when you have, you know, one person or other small businesses that you're doing business with. One strategy I really like a lot that really works is think bigger. All right. And I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you where this came from. I have um, a friend who's in the real estate business and he was selling real estate in Los Angeles all through the 2000s, making money hand over fist, right? It was easy to sell real estate until. 2008. Right. Boom. Uh, then what do I do? So he had a family. He was scared. He had no deals. He went to kind of a mentor of his, an old hand in the real estate business. And he said, well, if you're only going to do one or two deals a year now, think bigger. What you want to do is get bigger clients and do bigger deals. So at least that one deal that you do get may carry over and, you know, subsidize your income for as long as you need to. So my friend, like, you know what? That's great. I don't need to sell single family homes the rest of my life. So he figured out how to start selling commercial real estate. He started taking marketing classes in commercial real estate. He started marketing himself to bigger, you know, commercial real estate companies. Um, you know, 
got his list, did his marketing, and he got two deals that year. And in fact, so that it was in 2009, he actually had made more money on his two big deals than he had, you know, the three years before when he was doing 10, 15 deals a year. So yeah. I think that's a great lesson for any of us. And that is think bigger, you know, who can you sell to who is a bigger kind of a corporate client, a government client, a high net worth individual. If you can start targeting those people, then you can get, you can, you know, catch bigger fish, catch bigger fish. You're going to make bigger money. You know, a lot of people trade time for money, right? We yeah. provide services and, you know, in the past I've done coaching, you know, on an hourly basis with people. And I'm thinking, would I rather have a hundred people, you know, paying me a hundred dollars for an hour of my time or just a couple big clients that are paying me collectively that much for right. just a few meetings. And yeah. it's, it's a no brainer. Um, you know, the more customers that you're trying to serve for a lower dollar amount, that's just gonna, that's gonna tap you dry. Well, and so many people, we all, all of us, we fall into a rut. So I've learned how to sell to other small businesses and that's great. And I have my little marketing thing that I do and it works and, but it's limited. Um, I, I think one thing you can do, one thing I did in my business is I did an 80, 20 analysis several years back. Like, all right. So what 20% of the things that I do or the services that I offer create 80% of my income. And it turned out, yeah, it was a couple of corporate clients that really were generating more income for me than, working with chambers of commerce and nonprofits. And they, they're all great too. And I still do my work with them, but I kind of rejiggered things a little bit and try to market myself and to, you know, to more corporate clients. And it's made a significant difference in my business. And I like it. It's a more interesting work. I get paid better. Uh, I get a, a broader thing. And I think, you know, a lot of people can do that kind of work for, their, for themselves uh, in their own small business. Okay, so those are some of the themes of questions you asked that are more common, but let's let's go the other way now. Some of the uncommon but good questions that you get. What are some of the things that have stood out recently? Uh, I hear from people sometimes who who want to do something kind of crazy, right? And, and you've I don't know anybody me. like that. <laughs> Look, I know. Let's do a Bitcoin podcast. Yeah. Who knew? But who knew, right? So I would actually like to hear your story. Not that I'm here to interview you, but I do do that for a living. But so, you know, people come up with unique, different ideas out in the, you know, what do you think of this idea? And, well, you might like 18th century Flemish architecture, but I'm not sure there's a business there. But it turned out, look, at there was a there was quite a market need for a for a cryptocurrency podcast, was there not? Mm -hmm. Well, not, but not just a crypto podcast. In fact, there could be, uh, I'll just, I'll pitch you right now. I think that there's an article to talk about the success of the, of pod, this podcast and how podcasting has blown up because when Travis and I had the idea, um, there were some other crypto podcasts that were out there, but they were high minded. You know, they were over our heads. They were more technical. And we came along as two regular, you know, schlubs that were like, hey, we're fascinated with this, but we don't know exactly what we're talking about. We're going to go down the rabbit hole. So come with us. Come on, kids, let's go. And so that's why we called it the bad crypto podcast that and you know, we inject a lot of humor and irreverence and dad jokes into it. Well, I don't know if I told you this, but in our first year, we had over 5 million downloads of episodes. That's incredible. 
And we've got a killer monetization model. So I will pitch you on that as an idea for a, uh, a USA Today piece. Fair enough. I will say maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Live in front of everybody. I will give you a definite, mm, could be a piece. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. Obviously, but that's interesting. And how do you do it? And how do you monetize it? And how how'd you get five million? Look, I do a lot of podcasting. Yeah. I, I would plot for five million, right? So that's. To me, that's an incredible thing. Yeah, well, and I've done, uh, previous to the show, six other podcast series over the years. Right. Um, and none of them came anywhere close. It's it's a unicorn. It's one of those things that you just, the right message, delivered the right way at the right time. Um, it, we're going up right around then, right? Um, right, right before right, we we started right before the media really started picking up on it, and so it was like our stats just went whoop. And even though you know Bitcoin and crypto have have faced a downturn right now because we're waiting regulation, uh, it's moving forward. There's just there's no question, and so our listenership you know has fallen off quite a bit, but there's still a very loyal audience that listens to each and every episode and we do four a week. And so we're, we're very aware that when crypto is in the news again, and it will be, it won't be long before everybody starts feeding on it and Bitcoin starts going up again, uh, in my humble opinion, not a financial advisor, that they're going to start, more people are going to start looking for content. And because we've niched ourselves unintentionally just by being us, those who are looking to connect with real people rather than the highly technical folks are going to gravitate our way. So do you think you just caught fire, you caught lighting in a bottle at the right moment, or did you market it a little differently? Did you, what, you know, what, to what do you attribute that unicorn thing that you created? Um, I, I do think that it was the fact that the irreverence of it, that we were just two guys being, you know, fun and fascinated with this. I do think the the timing of it before the wave was uh, was important. I mean, we could have started this a year ago had we had the idea, but we weren't ready. We weren't there. If you would have told me January 2017 that, hey, guess what? Um, in a few months in the summer, you're going to start a cryptocurrency podcast with Travis Wright. And then a few months after that, you're going to be one of the top shows. I would have said, what? I don't even know how Bitcoin works. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. well, good, so, good for you. So congratulations to you. Yeah, uh, it worked. Can we talk about the gig economy a little bit? Yeah, let's do it, man. What's on your mind? Well, so so there is obviously we're in the gig economy, and right. it's an interesting era to be in. You know, there's a lot of bad things that could be said about the not so great recession or the great recession, whatever you want to call it. I think one of the good things that came out of it was a lot of more gig opportunities. I think a lot of people ended up doing freelance and self-employed and you know contract work. Uh, and realized, oh, you know, I don't miss that jerk boss of mine very much, and I like being my own boss. Um, and so as a result of that, a lot of sites cropped up that allow and that allow people to do more gig work, and there are a lot more people looking for contract employees. So it's, it's a great time to be a gig worker, but it is also a challenging challenging gig, right? It, it is, but I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now because – I'm thinking about how many different things I do um, that are calling on, you know, that use gig economy for my phone. So yeah. there's Lyft and Uber, 
right? So there's people okay. driving. There's DoorDash. So I have food. It's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Grubhub. Yeah. Uh, so I get food from local restaurants delivered. I used to, I mean, there was once upon a time, if you wanted a delivery, it would be pizza mm -hmm. or Chinese. Right. Now it's everything. Now we can get everything. Um, I've got zeal on here. So I'm a member to uh, in-home massage. So oh. I don't go out to a spa anymore. I paid for a one-year membership with zeal. They sent me a table. It's a $250 nice table that I keep here. And I go, boop, I want a Swedish. Um, it needs to be 60 minutes between these times and these dates. And they find me a therapist. They'll come here. In fact, I got one coming late tonight because my back's been bothering me. And so there's just so many. Uh, my my daughter loves, uh, loves dogs. And for a time, she was doing Rover where you would go walk. People, was she walking the dogs? She was, was walking dogs. Right. And, and, and so much of this is accessed from yeah. this now. Yeah, and, and there's there's sites like Freelancer and Upwork and 99designs and Etsy, you know, even Craigslist. I mean, all of those sites are places where gig, where contract people can go find work. And that's kind of one of the things I love. Look, you gotta be, you gotta be, you have to have a lot of fortitude if this is gonna be your life, because you're always needing to find new work. And if you don't like looking for work and bidding on gigs, it's not, you know, it's not the right idea for you. But if you like being your own boss and, you know, you don't want to create a big small business, uh, the idea that you can freelance, you know, being an Uber driver, not the easiest thing in the world. But like, for example, let's say you're a designer, the site 99designs, boy, you can go on 99designs, put your work up there, bid on different projects. And all of a sudden you're going to be maybe finding a really cool, you know, design to work on. I, I needed about five years ago. In fact, I was making this self-employed. And so I went on what is now Upwork. I, I forget, maybe it was called Elance then. I forget. Yep. Yep. Elance.com. You know, I, I put up a little contest or however I did it. I put it to bids. And the woman I hired to create the site to this day still works for me. Abby Woods. Okay. You seeing this, Abby? She's my guru. She's my tech person. You know, I ended up hiring her and keeping her on because she, she did such and does such great work for me. So, you know, there's lots of opportunity. You find someone that you connect with. And now all of a sudden I found somebody, who, you know, always makes me look you know, smarter than I am. I, Let's I kinda, face I, it. We are living in perhaps the most prosperous economic times ever. ever. Unemployment is at an all time low. Minorities are, are you know, going back to work um, and, and salaries are going up. It's just it, I don't know if everybody knows, because if they're like listening to the news, they might be thinking that somewhere things are not so good, but things are really amazing. And there's more opportunity now. I mean, look, look at me. I'm, I'm just this poor schlub sitting at home, you know, making a living in front of my computer, um, you know, doing a show. And how many people have freedom that they know? How many people are now YouTube and Instagram, you know, start these kids today? That's what they aspire to be. Oh yeah, that's a, it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, and yet, so we have this booming economy. It makes me a little nervous that it's booming this much. <laughs> you know, it's well because we've been through this a couple times. But you what know, goes up must come down, right? But as long as we can ride the wave right now, I'm I'm with you, brother. Uh, let's ride the wave. Things are good. People are looking to hire. People are looking to pay. There are a lot of contracts to be had. There's a lot of work to be had. So it is a great time to you know do your own thing. 
What uh, what do you say to people that you know with with so many opportunities in gig economy, opening your mind to seeing opportunities that are there, but just hasn't connected with you? How do you recommend people find that thing? So you know, part of it is you know what what turns you on, what excites you. Well, that's that's a good answer right there. Whatever it is that finds you. You know, when I was practicing law, uh, as I you know as I alluded to. I was we won't hold that against you. I was a mediocre, right? I've come to my senses, right? I was, you know, a very mediocre lawyer. You know, it just it was intellectually interesting. But what I loved was the running of my business. What I loved was finding new clients. So I had my own law firm. I had a couple of people working for me, and I had a couple of lawyers working for me. And I should have been in hog heaven, being this, you know, author lawyer. But I wasn't. I didn't really like the law part of it very much. I really liked the business part of it. So that's. Kind of when the light went on, I was like, oh, that small business thing that my dad taught me that's been in my blood forever. That's really what I should be doing with myself. So, you know, you got you have to listen to that part of yourself, that part of yourself that's kind of kooky and, and unique and that's all yours. And but then the trick is how do you monetize it? That's the trick of life. But, but do you do you think that that, you know, often follows the success of doing that thing? Well, kind of. I mean, I think. In one sense, being an artist is easier because you can get an idea for a picture and you can paint it and you can paint it, right? But you get an idea for a business, you have to figure out not only how to create that business, but you have to figure out how it's going to make money and how is it different than all the other businesses out there and how are you going to market and how are you going to stand out? Those are things the artist doesn't have to think about. You're, In my opinion, you're no less an artist. You are creating something. I mean, that's one of the things I love about our entrepreneurial and small business brothers and sisters. Man, they're there's so many people out there in this planet who want to destroy things, who want to blow things up, who are negative. The entrepreneurs, the creatives, the self-employed, they're creating stuff. And so God bless them. I love it. Uh, it's one of the things I love most about working with them. But the trick is, you know, you can't just create it. You have to create it and have a market for it, too. So uh, my, my friend J.S. Gilbert, who uh, has incredible taste in socks, asks, don't you think the gig economy has been heavily marginalized? Most freelancers I know say that rates have plummeted over the past 10 years, while at the same time, it's been difficult to stand out. What do you say about that? I, I say you have to figure out how to stand out. And I agree with exactly what he said. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people looking for the same uh, you know, piece of cheese. So why are, why are they gonna hire you? You have to offer something that is unique and different and special and better. Unique, different, special and better. Whatever that is, maybe it's a podcast where you crack jokes and you're funny talking about a dry subject. That's unique, different, special, and better. Maybe you get on and you're in whatever it is you do, you have to be able to do it in a way that other people can't duplicate it. And if you can do it in a unique way that other people can't duplicate as easy, then you can charge more. And then you can go find those bigger clients that I was talking about. But if you're just a rat in the maze, you know, and you're trying to undercut people on prices, you know, it's going to be a very hard way to make a living and not very fun. They're available now that weren't before just because of how society has changed. And now we're entering into this um, uh, part of <coughs> humanity where robots are taking over and people are afraid, you know, they're going to lose jobs and they are. And that's nothing new. We've had that through all the different technological um, and industrial advances. Where do you see the next move as people lose these jobs that robots are going to be able to do? What's gonna what what flips? I'll tell you something that I shouldn't really um, admit or take credit for, but I will because it's an interesting story. When Go I was ahead, a, brag. 
Okay, when I was a young guy, we all had our new answering phone answering machines. My dad came home from work one day, and he was a very creative guy, my dad. He said, what if the phone machine didn't answer calls, but it made calls? What, what do you mean, dad? Well, it, well, it made calls. He goes, hi, you know, the, the answering machine would put a call out saying, hi, this is Marty Strauss from Banner Carpets, and we're having a sale this weekend. And so my dad hired an engineer, and my dad invented the robocaller. And I can still see in my living room in the 70s the the, the prototype of it. Get uh, out. Your dad invented the robocaller. This is, you know, my mouth to God's ears. Uh, I could see that I, it would dial 879-0001, play the message. Hi, this is Marty Strauss. Then it would hang up and dial 879-0002. And we all thought, oh, frick, we're going to we're, – we're rich beyond belief. And uh, a month later, the engineer skipped town with the prototype. We never saw him again. We never saw the product again until about 10 years later when we started getting robocalls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what this story. The point is, you know, automation is coming. Automation put the Strausses out of a billion dollars, you know, um, and automation is going to put some people out of work. But the kind of gigs, you know, that it's going to put out of work, at least initially, are Boring, dry, you know, phone answering, phone making phone calls, um, road burgers, open burgers. So we're going to have to all be uh, more creative and more entrepreneurial. That's just mm. the way it's going to. That's the way the future is going to be. So um, I think if you can hone your entrepreneurial skills, and what what does that mean? It means not taking phone calls during. You have a great ringtone as a Beatles uh, ringtone. Yeah. Um, so uh, I do think, though, you know, there are, there are entrepreneurial skills. You asked me this originally that you can hone. And what is that? Well, what's an entrepreneur? It's someone who's creative. He sees a market need or she sees a market need. Uh, they come up with a way to, to solve that market need. They, they create a great team around them. I think it's an unsung thing often is that the quality of the people that you surround yourself with on your ventures makes the hugest difference, right? And, and if you get great people around you and then you have a great idea and then you can inspire them. Well, then you're on, you're on to something, I think. Mm. Steve Strauss, Mr. All Biz. Here's his website. You guys can go uh, check this out right here, and you can find out more about Steve's column and his other websites. He's also a speaker and hangs out with cool people. Um, not, not me, but, you know, people like Lori Grenier. Um, I'm just, you know, a regular Joel that he hangs out with. Steve, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today and, and sharing uh, your thoughts with us. Great to be here. Always great to see you, Joel, and uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm going to drop you down to the lobby for a moment, but hang tight while I wrap things up here, and I'll be back with you in just a second so we can chat offline, pitch you on that story a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, hey, thanks, everybody, for watching. Appreciate it. Joel.live is every week, different days sometimes, because traveling just makes it hard. I like to typically do them uh, Friday afternoons, but sometimes it just it doesn't work out that way. Working on getting Lewis housed. Lewis, it's time to book this thing. He's been working on his, uh, his Facebook watch show, which is getting a lot of traction and been busy with that. Carrie Wilkerson also coming up in the near future and other great guests to come your way as well. Hope you guys have an awesome day. Enjoy. Go out there, grow your business. And as always...